We are going to uh, start this morning with uh, uh, Hayden Parks coming up. And uh, instead of a scripture reading, we kind of got a, you know, to read them, you got to know the books of the Bible. And so that's what we got going on this morning. So we're going to get this young man to take care of this right here for us. Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, uh, Obadiah. Jonah and Micah, and they have Packets, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Oh, okay. Are we going to stop there? We're going to do the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First and Second and Third John. Jude Revelations. Excellent. Wow, that's great. Okay, uh, Derek, it's your turn. Uh, <laughs> no, just give up. Oh, uh, you know when when uh, when I learned to do that, I had to. Uh, I sang the little song that went with it. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that. But uh, uh, I, I don't know that I could just get up there and read them out like that. Great job, young man. Now, that's, I love, that's what families and children's ministry do right there. That's the combination, that raising up your young people like that. What a great, great blessing. We're in the book of Luke, just what the doctor ordered. So uh, turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 4, and let's get into our, our text a little bit this morning. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. We'll read these two to kind of introduce the deal. This is Jesus, you know, has already been, he said it's baptism, then he's sent out, he's tempted by the devil, and he initiates his ministry. And so through this first section here of his public ministry, you see the heartbeat of ministry and how Jesus does it. And you're going to see it in how he treats people, how he responds to folks, situation, how the power he has, the preaching he has. And we'll talk a little bit about all that. Uh, chapter four, Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Uh, now, if I'm uh, be honest with you, as a preacher, I would love to have that said about me and then not write any more. Because <laughs> there does get a few rough spots along the way, right? And so he starts out this initially. He's out, he's preaching, he's doing these great marvelous deeds, 
And man, people are, are eating it up. It's great. You know, they're excited about it. Uh, then he goes home. Uh, you know, uh, I love the, my home. I love the place I grew up in, up in Pocahontas, Arkansas. I love the folks there. And there's somebody that knows where that is. One person out of thousands, but that's good. <laughs> We're on the map. Uh, and uh, so, um, uh, but there's a part of me that's glad that I don't preach in that town. For one, uh, 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 I'm glad you don't know because you didn't know me when I lived in my hometown. And no, I'm not going to tell you all about that either because uh, that, that's, that's a testimony for another time, maybe. Uh, but to go back to your hometown, and to preach it becomes quite a challenge for him. So let's look at this preaching of Jesus here in, in, in verses 16 through 20. It says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as it was his custom. Which, by the way, just a little side note, you make it a good custom just to go to church all the time. You know, he's coming to the synagogue as was his custom. It was his tradition. It was his habit of life. If you have to wake up in the morning and decide whether I'm going or not, then you're not there yet. If I've got to decide every time, well, I don't know, am I going to go today or not? No, no. It just becomes custom. It's a habit. And nobody makes a decision because that already got made one time for all. You just get up and go. Amen? Amen. Some of you I'm not sure about. <laughs> so you're like, I told you we shouldn't have talked about whether we should have went to church today or not. Now the preacher got us. <laughs> I'm listening. You don't know it. And he stood up to read. Now in the synagogue assembly, this is what would happen is a lot of times they would start with a, 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 a prayer and the rabbi or someone would have a reading and some, the guy that would read would stand up. Now he would sit down to teach, but he would stand up to read. And so, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, get this picture, he stands up, they hand him this big scroll, he unrolls this thing to Isaiah. And he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, now it's the sermon time. He's read the scripture, now sermon, short one. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This, Jesus rolls out this thing of Isaiah. He reads it and he says, that guy Isaiah is talking about? He says, that's me. I'm here. Really? It's one thing to unroll it and read it. It's another to claim to be the person it talks about. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying that today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. So right now they're amazed. Their response is going to change. But right now they're amazed. And they're thinking, man, listen to this guy. And then somebody remembers, wait a minute. He grew up down the street. Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Joseph's son, they ask? 
And, and either one, he played, he, played with, he played with my kids in the yard. He ran around, uh, you know, the park with my kids over here. And, and, and isn't that who this is? We saw him all the time. And Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here, uh, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Jesus says, look, I know you want me to go do all the miracles I've been doing. You want me to do them here. That's why you got me here. But I'll tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in that time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Why did this make them mad? They have him here. They're inviting him. They probably put up signs that said, Hey, hometown boy makes it great in ministry. Come hear this guy preach. He does great miracles. He does all this stuff. They're, I mean, all of a sudden they get him there, and, and when he shows up, he doesn't do any of that stuff. That's what they wanted him for. And he says, oh, Look, I'm the one that was sent. I'm the one that Isaiah talked about. And he said, But remember when the prophets, of, he gives two illustrations, Elijah and Elisha. Remember when the prophets of old? There were a lot of good, a lot of evil things happening back in the nation there. He said, but look, the prophets didn't go to them. They didn't heal. They healed the leper guy who was a Gentile. They, they did a miraculous thing with a widow who was a Gentile. He didn't go to Israel, went to those. Why? Because they had turned their back on God. And all of a sudden they said, look, this good news is for everybody. It's inclusive of everybody. And they didn't like that because they were the chosen ones. And all of a sudden now they're feeling this accusation. They didn't really want Jesus. They just wanted the miraculous happenings that he could show. They got furious. They went from amazed at his teaching to furious. They got up, drove him out of town took him in the, uh, to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. They take Jesus from the synagogue out to the edge of the, of the hill and they're going to throw him off. Now, I'll just have to say, I'm not saying I'm a great preacher uh, and I'm not saying I hadn't made people mad in my preaching. I, I, I know I have. I've gotten some of those uh, anonymous letters which I always throw in the... File 13, you know. Uh, if you're not brave enough to sign your name, I ain't going to give it much thought. So, but, but, I, but I, I mean, I've made people upset before. But I've never had anybody try to throw me off a cliff. That's a pretty radical response from a church group. Think about it. It's a church group. These are religious people. I mean, well, how bad do you have to be to cause you're at your church in your hometown? I mean, how, how hard is it to get them stirred up enough that the, in your hometown they're going to take the kid that grew up here and take him out to the edge and throw him off the cliff? Now, that's being pretty mad. And yet that's their response to Jesus. Now, let's back up and look what he said when he read Isaiah. 
Really, what was this preaching of Jesus? This preaching of Jesus, he says, was good news to the poor. Spiritually poor, as well as physically poor, but spiritually poor. He's brought a blessing to them. It's good news. That's the word gospel. That's what it means. And then he says it's going to be freedom for the prisoners. It's going to be sight for the blind. There are people who are prisoners sitting in here today in this room and, and out in the sound of my voice. They're held captive by something in this world that they got tangled up in. And they need to be set free. There are people who are spiritually blind who have not really seen who Jesus is and what he can do for their life. And they need to have their eyes opened. There are people who are oppressed and that oppression is holding them down and keeping them captive and they need liberated from that oppression. And that's the message of Jesus. It's not about what we do. This is not a lesson about I've got to preach like Jesus so I've got to go feed the poor and do this. It's not about that. It's not about me. This is about Jesus. He has this news. I'm totally powerless to make anything happen. But Jesus comes on the scene and he preaches this message with authority and has the power to make this happen because he is the anointed one Isaiah talked about. What captured you? Before Jesus captured your heart, what held you captive? Meth? Did it hold you captive? Pornography? This is the last time, but the last time is never the last time because you're captive. Greed? Alcohol? What about just pure selfishness? I never really want to deny myself to follow Jesus. I want to somehow or another, I want to be able to go to the synagogue or the church and be around religious people all the time, but still be captive even though I'm there. Look, we're not the first ones that have people that come to church all the time and still are held captive by things that are going on in their life by the evil one. I never quit going to church all my life. I'm so proud that my mom and dad put that in me because it gave me a place to come back to. Even though I never left it physically, I left the Lord way off. I mean, I got way off there. I got captive by the world. But I never quit going to church. Someone said, well, Mike, you people really can't do that. You really can't go to church all the time and then live like that. Well, sure you can. I did it for a long time. You can do that. And the little old ladies that don't know you, they'll hug your neck and think you're a good little kid. And they'll even ask you to read Scripture and get you up front. They'll do all that kind of stuff. And they don't know you're captive by, by the evil one. So Jesus preaches a message that sets people free. And for every person sitting in your seat that have been set free, you are a walking miracle. This room is full of them. Our church family is full of stories where Jesus has changed their life and he set them free. There are those of you, and you, oh look, you know, you, you know who you are, right? There are those of you who ought to be sitting, I mean physically ought to be sitting in jail right now. And God set you free. It, the judge didn't set you free. He, he thought he did, but he didn't. He really wasn't the one. Jesus set you free. He rescued you. 
for this challenge in his own hometown. It must have broke his heart to know that people that he was raised around were so blind and so captive that they couldn't see who he really was. I thought about how hard that must have been. Have you ever had somebody that that you deeply love and they rejected you? That's, that's his situation. He loved these people. And yet, yet, they couldn't get behind what was going on. The heartbeat of his ministry was loving the unlovable. And that's what he was about. Now, Look what else happens. He's going to leave there, which by the way is a pretty cool thing when they, get to, when they start to throw you off a cliff that you can just walk through the crowd and be gone. I'd like to have that ability, right? So now Jesus, in, in verse 31, now Jesus goes down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, on the Sabbath, there he is again, as his habit, and began to teach the people, and they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. This preaching of Jesus now comes with authority and it comes with power. Look what happens. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon. Wait a minute. You mean people who are full of evil go to church? Now, just look at your neighbor. No, I'm not. just kidding. We're not trying to decide who is and who isn't. He's sitting beside somebody in the synagogue. He's possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now be quiet, Jesus said sternly. I like the way he says sternly. Jesus didn't put up with it. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching with authority and power? He gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the whole surrounding area. I bet it did. Wow. Now he's casting, not only is he preaching good news that sets people free, and they're amazed at this teaching that's taking place, But now, all of a sudden, he has his power over evil. He confronts evil right there in the middle of church and casts the demon out without hurting the man. By the way, I would like to come the next week when that man gave his testimony. That would have been good, wouldn't it? The response was, first of all, amazement. Do you remember, think for a minute, do you remember what it was like when the first time your not just your ears but your heart really heard the message of Jesus and it made that, it pricked you, it made that move in your heart and mind to live different. Remember what that was like? Remember that? Remember how you were amazed that this one called Jesus could love me so much that he would die for my sins when I didn't even care about him. And that, and that his grace would cover my sins when I've been so ugly in life. Remember that? Remember that amazing grace 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I think sometimes when we've been in Christ a while, if we're not careful, we lose our amazement. Don't lose the amazement of what it was to meet Jesus then change your heart. Don't lose that. Don't ever lose that amazement. Someone asked me some one time, Mike, when you're trying to bring somebody that's been, that's been, been in the Lord but they've gotten totally away, when you're trying to bring, a, bring them back and help them out, like, what do you, what do you preach or what do you teach them? I said, the gospel. Yeah, but they know that. I said, you don't understand. It's not about information. It's about transformation. It's about the gospel is the power, Romans 1.16, the power of God, the salvation. It has the ability, Acts chapter 2, when it's preached, to change people's hearts. So if I want to change a man's heart. I can't just logically convince him and out-argue him about Bible. But I've got to change his heart. I've got to re-prick his heart with the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. He's got to once again be woke up inside and outside that I need Jesus more than I need the next breath of fresh air. Amazing grace. And not only did that amazing grace have the power over my sinfulness. In this story, Jesus has the power over the evil one. Don't you ever forget. I don't care how bad the world looks or how kind of messages go out. The power of Jesus is greater than the power of the evil one. Now look what else happened. Jesus left the synagogue and he went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on him. So now he goes into a home. You know what I like about this? Is that Jesus did outside of church what Jesus did inside. He wasn't different. How about me and you? Are we like that? I, mean, have you, I know you've never done this. But, you know, somebody somewhere probably has. They've got all the kids in the back seat. They're driving to church, and one of them's hot. He touched me, and, that, and you're reaching back, and you're trying to slap, and you can't find the right one to hit. And, you're, and, you, and you know, your wife's, don't, don't do that. And you get here to pull in the parking lot, and it's a, and, and I told you not to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then you get out of the car, and somebody walks by and says, Hey, sister, Jane, <laughs> brother Joe, everything's great. Are you at home like you are at church, vice versa? Jesus goes into this home and he shows his heart of compassion because he finds Peter's mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law, is sick with a fever. And I love his response because it's a response of compassion. He's not 
he's not healing her for everybody to see and it to be proclaimed, hey, come and hear this healer and let's pass the bucket and get the money, you know? It wasn't like that with Jesus. By the way, all his healings, when he healed them, they were healed instantly. He didn't say be healed and that happened 12 weeks down the road. Be aware who those who claim to have the power of Jesus. Because there ain't nobody got the power of Jesus but Jesus. Now, when Jesus does this, her response is she gets up and just starts serving. I love that. And I think that's one of the most natural responses that we could have. And I see people have here, uh, 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 here all the time as people come and they discover Jesus. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, they want to do something because they're grateful. There's appreciation for the healing they found. He's touched my life. He forgave my sins. He brought me out of all kinds of mess. And so what should my response be? Where can I serve? How can I serve you, Jesus? What do you need to? What can I do? Let's just jump up and get into this thing. It's time to serve. Matter of fact, even even when you come out of repentance, uh, something your life has fallen apart, and and Satan got the best of you for a while, and all of a sudden you appeal to the grace of God. What's your next response? Serve, serve. Set chairs up in this room. Make coffee out there. Go. Uh, 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 Go unstop the women's toilet. That's what happened uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, I think it was. Uh, uh, somebody said, there's something wrong in the women's bathroom. I said, well, I'm not going in there and check it out. So, Beverly, where are you? And so Beverly takes care of business. Next thing I hear is, Danny? <laughs> Didn't take long for her to holler, Danny. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, hey, sir. Which, by the way, he's one of the most serving people I know. You serve out of gratitude out of appreciation because of what Jesus did for you. If you're having a problem, yeah, you can give the Lord a hand on that. If you're having a problem feeling like, I'm not, I can't get connected here, serve. If you're having a problem like, I don't really fit in, my serve. If you're having a problem like, I really just don't know if this is the kind of church for me, serve. Find a place and serve. Well, Mike, what kind of program you got? You don't have to have a program to serve. You just got to have a willing spirit. Serve. But I'll tell you what, being, being a servant, being compassionate toward people's needs can take its toll on you. Look here. When the sun was setting, it's the end of the day, Jesus had a long day. Sun is setting. The people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Jesus basically said, I don't need the testimony of evil people to say who I am. Sometimes interruptions in your schedule are the greatest times for grace. Uh, I'd written something like that the other day. 
put it out, you know, on Facebook. Or sometimes I put out a little thing or something like that in, in the morning time. And I, by morning, I'm talking like 4 a.m. or whatever because I'm an early guy. And so I stuck that out there, you know, and I forgot that I wrote that. So that's always a dangerous thing when you're preaching to forget what you said. Remember, I always told you there's a gap between what I preach and how I live. Because I'm trying to get there, but, there, you know, it's always a growing process, right? But I put that out there, and then later on that day, I come back after lunch. I've got things in my mind, planned to do. I've got my schedule laid out in my mind. So I come back, and when I walk up to the building, there's a, uh, there's a young woman there with her two boys waiting in the foyer. And uh, I said, hey, can, can, uh, can I help you? She said, I just got to talk to somebody. My life's just, I mean, it's falling apart. I had to sleep in my car last night and this. And I said, well, come on up. And we, so we started talking and we spent the afternoon together. I pulled some other people. I pulled, thank you, Brian. Brian Rucker comes in. He, he helps, helps me visit with her. I visit with her oldest boy by himself. We talk. Uh, you know, it's, it's compassion and working with people who are in brokenness drains you. Have you found that out yet, you leaders? It drains you, right? And so, we're kind of at the end. I said, "Okay, look, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you a room for tonight. Uh, we'll get you. I, I get some cat. I'm going to give you some money to feed feed your family. And we got a plan. Already got a plan for the next day. Some folks uh, about what to do to help. And so we go out to her car, and she's locked her keys in the car. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, one after thing after another. For bless her heart, you know. And there was a time when I could get in cars but those days are long gone and so uh so now uh we i, I just call the lock guy i said look i got a i got a lady here i'm trying to help she's locked her keys in her is there any way you can come he said yeah young guy comes up he doesn't even charge me the full rate because he's like look you're trying to help somebody and 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 so i which i appreciated that uh And I don't know, I was down to probably 5, 5.30 something that afternoon. Uh, was I tired? Sure. But it was a good tire. Because I didn't really know how to help the lady the best way possible, to be honest with you. But I'm trying, and I've got other people helping me who know some better than me sometimes how to help people. And it's a... Whatever was planned that day, it totally wiped off the map. So if this sermon is no good, that's no, that's not. What uh, but that an interruption. But it was an opportunity, and I wouldn't give anything for it to have met this some met this woman and to talk to her about Jesus and to introduce her to people who live like Jesus up here in this office and around who could all of a sudden find an intersection into her life and say, you don't have to live like this anymore. It was a great, it was a great time. Now multiply that by hundreds and you have what the church staff deals with here at church. So there's this thing called compassion fatigue. And if we're not careful, we will get tired of all the world's requests and all those If we're not careful, we can lose our heart of compassion. And the heartbeat of Jesus' ministry was compassion. So we have to 
do something. What do we do? What, what do you think Jesus did? Let's, let's, let's just look at the Bible and read the next verse, 42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Now, he didn't get to stay long because the people were looking for him. And when they came to him where he was, they tried to get him from leaving them. They wanted him to stay even longer, and I don't blame them. But what did he do? He goes out and he gets renewed by a daily routine of meeting with the Father. You cannot consistently meet the needs of other people without consistently meeting with the Father. That's where renewal takes place. So if you don't have that daily quiet time with the Word and with God and prayer, then develop it because that daily habit renews you and re-strengthens you with the ability to be compassionate and helpful to other people you meet in life. Can't run on empty. Well, Jesus preached with purpose and he didn't lose his focus. Verse Verse 43, he says this, that he tells them when they want him to say, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. He did not lose his focus. Even though they were bringing people, they are saying, stay here, you can do this. He didn't lose focus. He renewed himself. He got right back into his mission which was to go preach the good news of the kingdom of God to all these other places. And as a church at White Street Road, we cannot lose our focus of what our mission is. Matter of fact, Jesus, uh, Luke is going to say it about Jesus later on in the book of Luke in, in chapter 19, verse 10, where he says, He was sent to seek and save that which was lost. And so that's what we are as a church. We're called the body of who? Christ. So we are Jesus' body. So whatever Jesus was busy doing on earth in his body is what we have to be busy as his body doing while we're here. We're Jesus to people. And we can't lose our focus. His mission was to seek and save that which was lost. Every activity we do as a church, we need to run by these two things. We need to say, does it help us love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Does it help us love other people? And does it help get lost people under the sound of the good news of Jesus? You ask those questions. And if it doesn't do one of those things, then quit doing it. I wrote in the back of my old Bible. I don't have it in this one. This is old, but in my old Bible, a buddy of mine who, who really knew how to stay focused on evangelism, his name was Ray Melton, that used to preach here. Ray told me one time, I wrote it in the back of my Bible, not everything that's good to do is good for you to do. You can get sapped and pulled a thousand different ways and get off target into what your focus really is. 
I see churches do it all the time. They get involved in politics. They get involved in this and that program. And all of a sudden, they're doing a hundred different things. They may even be some good things. But not everything that's good to do is good for you to do. Don't lose your focus. Jesus knew. He could have stayed there and helped more people and healed more people. There's more sick folks there, I'm sure. But he had a mission. He got, had a focus for what he had to do. And that was to keep preaching. Keep moving on to other places that needed to hear the good news of the kingdom of God. You know, I can't do what Jesus did. But I can tell who Jesus is. I can tell what he did to other people. I can't cast out evil spirits. But I can point them to the one who can. I can't heal all the diseases and make the fevers go away. But I can tell them who can set them free and rescue them from whatever's got them oppressed, captive, or blind. And it's the story of Jesus. The gospel is the power to change hearts. So the question becomes, how will we respond to Jesus? His hometown responded with anger. Other folks responded with amazement. Anger, amazement. Which one? Which is you? So, Mike, I'm neither one. That's not very good. I want you to be amazed again at the greatness of who Jesus is and what he's done. If you've been touched by Jesus, then be like Peter's mother-in-law. Serve. If you've been touched by Jesus, share. Share the good news and serve Jesus and other people you're around. And your life will be, not only be blessed, you'll be a blessing, which is more important than anything else to other people. I really do love you guys. I appreciate you put, putting up with hearing me holler and preach from time to time, and as well as uh, Alan and, and David and other folks from the pulpit. And it's a joy always be with you. You're our forever family. Uh, thank you. I beg you, keep looking at who Jesus is and what he did. There are a lot more people who need to be set free. And you're going to know, folks, I don't. And by just by an introduction or a Bible study or whatever, somebody is going to have this same response. They're going to be amazed. And they're going to be able to say, I once was blind. But now I see. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for the day. Father, help us to have the heartbeat of Jesus in our ministry. Help us, Father, to serve out of gratefulness for your grace. Help us to be compassionate because that's the heart of Christ. Help us, Father, to... Be grateful for the things you've set us free from and give us a determination to never be captured again. Father, give us the confidence that you are more powerful than the evil one. 
And we know that the good news of Jesus can touch anybody's heart. Sometimes, Father, we're not very courageous. We need more boldness to keep sharing the good news. Sometimes it's easy to get off of, off of our goal and get out of focus. Help us to focus on preaching and sharing who Jesus is and what he can do in people's lives. I'm thankful, Father, for this church, for how they help me grow, for how they help me stay focused. I'm thankful, Father, to sit here and watch in amazement your word work and people be delivered day in and day out. Thank you, Father. And may you continue to bless us. And if anybody here, Father, within the sound of my voice is still blind or captive, help them, Father, to find freedom and sight through the word of Jesus today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And amen.